welcome to the very first episode of Time Personified. This is really exciting to me because I I got this idea for this podcast like maybe 10 months ago and I have been workshopping and researching and learning and developing um, and I feel like it's all just sort of led up to this moment when I finally sit down with my microphone and start speaking because <laughs> that's kind of the point of a podcast, right? Um, so yeah, those of you who are here listening to the very first episode, thank you. Like, I can't even, I appreciate that so much and I'm so happy to have you here and I hope that you enjoy it. Um, yeah, um, I'm recording this episode at 6.30 a.m. on December 26th, and last night, I believe, let me check the exact time. Oh, okay, no, not last night. This morning at 5 a.m., there was a solar eclipse in Capricorn, a new moon solar eclipse in Capricorn. Um, So that's nice. I didn't actually know what time it was, but during the moment of the eclipse, I happened to be sitting in meditation. So how beautiful is that? It's just intuitively that worked out. Um, I've had a pretty crazy week because obviously I am part of a family that celebrates Christmas. So there has been lots of traveling. There has been holiday festivities, lots of family, and I'm getting back to my regular routine now. And the first priority was, is to get this first episode out um, so that it can reach you all while the energy of the eclipse is still in the, in the aura of the world. So yeah, let's get started um, as if we haven't already. Um, <laughs> I think since this is the very first episode, um, I'm not really sure yet who these listeners are <laughs> on the other side of this screen. If you are people who are really familiar with astrology, are really familiar with the lunar cycle, or if you're total beginners. So I just thought we would start with the basics and we can start talking about um, the structure of this podcast and um, because I've structured it after the lunar cycle and we can talk about what the lunar cycle is. Um, So I have been working with the lunar cycle for spiritual development and personal development to reach my goals and my intentions for manifestation. Uh, I've been doing that for over a year now. Um, And there's, I'm not going to go through all of the phases of the lunar cycle right now. Um, That might be something that I can do in another podcast episode if that is, if that's necessary. But um, just very basic is that there's obviously a new moon and a full moon Um, and the whole lunar cycle takes 28 days to occur and it's a process of the moon starting out completely dark from our perspective on earth not illuminated at all and then like waxing getting fully illuminated which is the full moon and then waning losing its light and then going back to the new moon that takes 28 days and the the new moon is the beginning of a new lunar cycle so that's the if you're listening to this in real time 
that is the point that we're at right now. The moon is completely dark in the sky, except for in the new moon, there's a tiny little sliver of light, but you usually can't see it. The darker the moon are the last days of the previous lunar cycle when the moon is completely invisible. Um, so during a new moon, if you're somebody who works with the lunar cycles, you will um, set your intentions during the new moon. You can set intentions for the next lunar cycle, so something that you want to be, do, create in the next 28 days, or you can even set intentions for um, like longer term things. Like you can um, set an intention for the next year or the next six months or the next three months. And there's a lot of different ways to work with the lunar cycle to achieve short term goals or long term goals. And um, that's something I'd be happy to break down at, for anyone who's interested. Um, I do a lot of work with leading moon circles. I'm currently looking for a, a different platform because I've been doing it on Facebook for a while. Um, and I've also done it in person, but I love, love, love teaching people how to work with the moon. So there's that. That's a new moon. Basically, it's when you set intentions. And this new moon is special because it is a solar eclipse. Um, and most of you probably know what a solar eclipse and what a lunar eclipse is. Just to review, a solar eclipse is when the moon gets in between the earth and the sun and kind of creates a lot of people or cultures refer to it as a black sun like it actually blacks out the sun for a moment so if you were in a part of the world that was in daylight at 5 a.m eastern time this morning um, which i believe is parts of southeast asia and the middle east i think um, i was looking at maps last night you will, would have witnessed the solar eclipse actually occurring but if you're like me and you're in the united states or if you're in canada or europe or whatever you probably you didn't actually see it happen um, but that's okay you you can um experience the energy of a solar eclipse no matter solar eclipse no matter where you are on the planet um there are some uh, some astrologers and that that study eclipses including myself they believe that a lot of times if you're in a place that actually witnesses a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse the energy is very specific to your region of the world like an example would be in august of 2017 there was um, the great american solar eclipse and we'll probably be discussing that at some point in the next couple of months um, maybe even this lunar cycle because we're we're talking a lot about um the United States um, in this coming lunar cycle. Um, so we might talk about that in the future. I'll be talking about the US's Pluto return. So we might talk about the meaning and significance of the solar eclipse that happened um, in the first year of, of Trump's presidency. And um, fun fact, which we're gonna come back to this later. <laughs> so if this is me like dropping a bomb on you, then like, don't worry, we're gonna talk about this later. Our president, Donald Trump, the United States president, was actually born during a lunar eclipse. I know, mind-blowing, right? And the first year of his presidency, there's an eclipse over the United States. Eclipses are powerful. They turn the wheels of history. <laughs> there are many books written about eclipses. Um, 
eclipses happen they're a part of a regular lunar cycle so like there is an eclipse cycle happening this month there is a obviously there's the solar eclipse in capricorn and then there's the lunar eclipse in cancer in january and those two eclipses are connected it's like we're experiencing a, a lunar cycle on supercharge like like yeah um but also eclipses are part of cyclical chains that last upwards of thousands of years um so you can actually there there's a few astrologers that write um like encyclopedic type books <laughs> that um they they you can look up a particular eclipse like if maybe this one because we're experiencing it or maybe you were born during an eclipse or maybe there was a point in your life that you wanted to understand an eclipse <laughs> you can actually look at um what other eclipses that one is connected to and you'll find that like you know maybe there was an, an eclipse like in the year 900 that is connected to this one it's really fascinating i mean <laughs> astrology is a wormhole and there are just so many things. There are so many different roads that you can go down with astrology, um, which is one of the reasons I love it so much because you can really never stop learning about it. So yeah, one last thing I want to make clear about eclipses before we move forward in this episode. The reason, okay, so there are like every year, there are four to six eclipses. Um, and like I said, some parts of the world you're able to see the eclipses, some parts of the world you're not. It all has to do with, um, for a solar eclipse, if it happens to be daylight for you when the, when the eclipse actually occurs, or for a lunar eclipse, if it's nighttime um, in your part of the world when the eclipse occurs, you'll be able to see it. And the lunar eclipse is when the moon turns red, um, because what you're seeing is you're seeing the earth cross in between the sun and the moon and you're seeing the earth's shadow on the moon. Lunar eclipses are my favorite. There was one at the beginning of this year that was visible from the east coast of the United States and I think it was visible in all of the US but I live I live in Ohio which is like very close to the east coast or in the Midwest though. Um, it was it's they're very very beautiful and almost surreal to, to witness. Um, they're my favorite for sure. Um, you also don't have to worry about wearing special glasses to see a lunar eclipse because the moon can't destroy your eyes like the sun can. Um, but yeah, so the reason eclipses occur is obviously there is a, a, a crossing, um, there's a blocking of light that happens, whether it's the earth blocking the light getting to the moon from the sun or um, the moon blocking the light from the sun getting to the earth. And um, the, they occur when the moon um, gets into a lunar node, which lunar nodes are points in the moon's orbit. They're always on opposite sides of the zodiac. So um, 
the as you know the, the as you may know the zodiac is the wheel of constellations around the earth the earth is in the center of this band of constellations around the sky and that's aries taurus gemini cancer blah 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 um so the lunar nodes are always on opposite signs and every year they shift so this year in 2019 we had the north node in cancer and the south node in capricorn so every time we um were in um cancer season or capricorn season this year and there was a new moon or a full moon that lunation was an eclipse and um lunar nodes um in astrology they are they're about things that we're leaving behind and things that we are moving forward into. So collectively this year, we were releasing the heaviness around Capricorn energy, which that this whole podcast episode is going to be dedicated to understanding that process. And we were moving towards cancer energy. We were moving towards the high vibration cancer energy of motherhood nurturing compassion home love honoring emotions um i think i said emotions twice but whatever maybe there's a reason for that um (laughs) but yeah so you can see this happening collectively which i'm gonna this podcast is very much dedicated towards um musing over trying to understand how the collective experiences astrology but you can also obviously um, see this in your own life you can see um, you can reflect on your own life and think about okay so like what are some of the ways in my life that i was releasing heavy capricorn energy that i was releasing heavy energy around my profession around authority around structure and discipline and the the kind of the kind of the the version of me that shows up in the world to be a professional or to be out in public and how was i moving towards honoring my inner world a little bit more and honoring my home and my family Um, So you can sort of think about how those themes played out in your own life. And you can also look at your own birth chart because in an astrology chart, there are 12 houses. And um, depending on what time you were born, you have a certain um, zodiac sign ruling your first house of identity and then uh, a zodiac sign ruling Um, all the other 12 areas of your life that are outlined in astrology. So I'm going to use myself as an example. I am a Capricorn rising. So when I was born, Capricorn was on the eastern horizon. So it rules my first house of identity. So this year I was releasing a lot around how I identify with myself and how I see myself and how I present myself to the world, um, which was not fun most of the time but (laughs) it was a necessary process and I was moving towards I had the north node of um, what I was moving towards I had that in my seventh house of relationships and I actually called in some very strong partnerships in my work life and my work life got a lot more collaborative which is really cool Um, so 
depending on when you were born, you can look up your birth chart and you can see which house is ruled by Capricorn and which house is ruled by Cancer. And um, you can use the power of Google to sort of to, like figure out what areas of your life that is. Or you can ask an astrologer um, or you can get a complete reading, astrology reading, if you feel called to really understand that. Um, but I'm also a big believer that your intuition um, is really the 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 one in charge here. <laughs> like your intuition is really where you're going to get all of your answers. And astrology, it exists to validate your intuition. Astrology is one of the languages of the soul that you can, it's kind of like a cheat sheet. You can um, like, like say I'm walking around and I'm thinking, wow, like I called in a lot of partnerships this year. I wonder what that's all about. I wonder what I'm supposed to be doing next or what it all means. Um, and I can decide that for myself. And then I can peek at my astrology chart to sort of validate my own conclusions. Um, astrology is not causative. It's not your destiny. It is simply a blueprint. It is simply an instruction instruction manual or a curriculum. Um, so yeah. Um, and now let's let's talk a little bit about how I'm going to structure this podcast. I am structuring this podcast based on the lunar cycle. Um, speaking of astrology being a blueprint, um, I thought that astrology and the moon would be a perfect blueprint for how I do this. Um, I'm going to be releasing an episode at least every new moon and every full moon. There may be more, but I'm going to hard commit to every new moon, there will be a new episode of Time Personified, and every full moon, there will be a new episode of Time Time, time Personified. Um, so yeah, every new moon, I will be introducing a new topic. This It can be a topic. It can be any topic. <laughs> um, and it's going to be related to the the zodiac sign. Um, so a lunar cycle occurs within a polarity in the zodiac. So Cancer and Capricorn are a polarity. They're on opposite ends of the zodiac. And they the themes of Capricorn and Cancer balance each other out. Um, so in the new moon, I introduce a Capricorn theme. And then on the full moon, I kind of complete it with the Cancer energy. Um, so yeah, I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, just listen to this podcast for a while and you'll you'll catch on. <laughs> you'll you'll be okay. Um, <laughs> so every new moon, a new topic. Um, we'll spend the entire lunar cycle exploring that topic together. Um, and yeah, I plan on bringing in guests. This lunar cycle, there will not be a guest because I'm just trying this out myself first. And then I will introduce other people into this, probably starting with the next lunar cycle. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to structure the podcast this way, um, where it, it's about astrology, but it's also kind of about everything. Um, <laughs> I wanted to have the potential that anyone could be a guest on this podcast, that anyone can come on here and have a voice on this podcast. Um, because astrology is really a language and languages you can use language to talk about anything and i think you'll discover that astrology just like english just like french just like chinese is 
a language. It's a structure. It's a set of vocabulary that can really be applied to anything. It can be used to understand anything. Um, and I really wanted to create a show that encompasses that. Um, so yeah, um, I I hope you enjoy this. <laughs> I hope that you find a lot of value in this. And um, yeah, so this podcast. Um, episode this lunar cycle I'm going to be talking about politics please don't run away (laughs) when you hear that word I know a lot of people don't like politics um, and I know a lot of people who are spiritually inclined do not like politics Um, I'm constantly hearing spiritual teachers and uh, spiritual uh, like content creators whatever talking about how pod politics is low vibe a lot of people in the self-development or spiritual world brag about how they never watch the news and honestly like i totally get that i totally get that point of view um and i've gone through seasons in my life where i have been in that space where i've had to exist in that space of um i don't want anything to do with the news i don't want anything to do with politics i i totally get that and i and I, I, I just want to honor anybody who is in that space. Right now, I'm an American. Well, I've always... I'm an American, so right now, um, I'm watching my country go through something really significant. Um, for those of you who are not aware of what is happening in the United States, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a lot happening over here. Um, which we'll, we're going to dive deep into that. Um, I feel as a citizen of the United States, as a citizen of the world, and most importantly, as a registered voter in a very powerful voting state, I, I feel very called to pay close attention to what is happening in the United States right now. Um, of course, I'm referring to the 2020 election and I'm referring to the impeachment of our president, um, which these two topics are one and the same because Donald Trump, our president, is being impeached for attempting to rig the 2020 election by soliciting foreign interference again. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of soul searching. I've been doing a lot of praying and meditating Um because I really want to understand how people like Trump can get a hold of power, especially in a country like the United States. Like I know that we have a lot of flaws over here. (laughs) Trust me, I know. Um, But we are a nation that is built upon the idea of freedom, democracy, equality. Um, And I believe that for the most part, we've really tried (laughs) to embody those values. I know that yeah we've made a lot of mistakes but who hasn't um but yeah i really want to understand how somebody like trump can get so can get such a chokehold on people in a country like this um and i really want to understand people like him people like him who are motivated just by power and who are so clearly just out for themselves and how they can sort of like bypass all of these thresholds that are supposed to be in place to protect a country like the United States from authoritarianism. Um, 
yeah, I'm nerdy like that. And I, I just, I also think it's really, it's a really important question that um, those of us in the United States have to be asking ourselves and around the world. Like I, I'm going to be focusing on, on the U.S. in this podcast episode and for probably for most of this lunar cycle. And I'm not ignorant of the fact that there is a global struggle for um, the values of democracy and of freedom. Um, I watch what happens in India and Hong Kong and Ukraine and in a lot of South American countries who are fighting and dying to live in a politically free country. Um, and I totally honor that. Um, I'm not an expert in, <laughs> in those other countries, um, but I have a lot of experience <laughs> with the United States being a US citizen and being somebody who grew up here. Um, so that's really why I'm focusing on the United States. And I, I would argue that um, what happens in the US really does have a huge impact on the rest of the world. Um, most countries have an impact on the rest of the world, um, but the US is so big. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's why I, I'm good. I honor and I acknowledge a lot of the other things that are happening. We may touch on things that are happening around the world, um, but yeah, I am focusing on my own country because I, I just because there has to be a focus. Um, so yeah, when I go about answering this question, I I think we need to talk about fascism. Um, fascism is a movement that started in the 20th century, um, and a lot of people like Trump have come into power through fascism. Um, some people that would put Trump to shame with their cruelty and um, just violence. And the word fascism actually gets thrown around a lot, um, especially as an accusation. Um, I think it the word has honestly lost a lot of its significance because it is, um, you know, Barack Obama was accused of being a fascist. Um, Anybody who doesn't agree with you politically is like apparently a fascist now. I hear, I just hear the word being tossed around a lot, and I think that um, that can be problematic. Um, fascism is a deadly serious thing when it gets a hold of your country. It is, it is a, a disease. Um, so let's talk about what fascism actually is. I'm reading this book by a former Secretary of State, Madam, former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. It is called Fascism: A Warning. It is a really great book. It is a quick read. It's not very big, but it has a lot of history and context of um, what fascism actually is, and it can help you um, sort of wrap your head around it. Because if you're living in the 21st century, which if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you're living in the 21st century, I think it's really important to have a strong grasp on um on the, the history and context of the fascist movement um, and really understand where it came from. And, and um, that'll help us move towards a solution of what can we actually do about it. Um, most people associate fascism with extreme nationalism um, or just nationalism, and that is partly correct. Um, there is another really important part to this. Um, so using Trump as an example, Trump talks about, you know, America first, like his whole presidency is like very, I mean, there's a difference between what he says and what he does, um, but he pretty much is all always talking about America first, especially during his campaign. 
And he's really stating the obvious because every every world leader in uh, um, government official in history has put their own country first. Um, it is a basic duty of the president of the United States or any other nation to put their country first when making decisions. The distinction with Trump is how he advances American interest. Nationalism is just part of it. It's not the whole thing. Um, there, with fascism, there is also an extreme authoritarianism um, that has to be present in order for it to really be considered fascism. Um, and Madeline, Madeline Albright really says it beautifully when she says that in, fas in a fascist state, um, I'm actually going to quote her, instead of citizens giving power to the state in exchange for the protection of their rights, power begins with the leader and the people have no rights. So basically what she's saying is that um, in a fascist state, the mission of the people is to serve the government and the government's job is just to be in charge. Um, whereas in a democratic state, in a fair state um, with like Western democratic values, the leaders, their job is to serve the people. So with fascism, there has to be those two components present. There has to be that extreme nationalism, and then there has to be that authoritarianism where the leader is being served by the people. Um, and so, yeah, that's basically fascism. Um, I'm going to guess that most of you do not want to live in a fascist country. I'm gonna come out and say, I do not want to live in a fascist country, both because I think that nationalism is incredibly problematic, because um, even though, yes, it is the job of a leader of a nation to put the nation first, um, it's still important to see your nation as um, being a part of a community of nations and to want to cooperate with those nations and to want to have a better world, like to want to live in a world where everybody gets to have, uh, yeah, to live in a world of unity and fairness and love instead of a world of division by nationality. Like it's just, just no. Um, so yeah, we, we want to move away from this. And um, that's why what's happening in the United States is so alarming. <laughs> um, not just for Americans, but for everyone else in the world who looks to the United States. Um, I know that there, there are, the United States has been um, sort of that pillar of, of freedom and democracy for most of its history. People have um, risked their lives to come over here and to build um, better lives for themselves and to, and to live with a little bit more freedom. I am descended from people who risked everything to come over here to build a better life for themselves and to give their descendants the opportunity to grow up in a democracy. Um, and there are people all over the world fighting to live in a country modeled after the United States. Um, and I have a lot of pride for that. And I, I have a lot of respect for anybody who is on that path of either trying to come here or trying to reform their own country um, because 
I mean, America's not perfect, democracy's not perfect, but it's, I think it's the best model we've come up with so far. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, the United States has made a lot of mistakes in its history, but it has um, retained this ability to mobilize and inspire others because of this commitment to um, lead into the direction of freedom um, in liberty and justice and peace. And it is deeply, deeply disturbing to me that somebody like Trump can come into power here. Um, and I'm just really on the edge of my seat, holding my breath, praying every day that we're going to be able to get past this. Because um, I really see this as um, a global struggle happening on U.S. soil. Um, and yeah, it, we, we don't really know how it's going to turn out. We've got a perfect storm We don't care about the second wind Or something else to take for Someone else to keep us warm the same and only ourselves to blame so let's talk some astrology um let's talk about the astrology around this new moon and solar eclipse because these lunations don't just happen in a vacuum obviously there are other planets in the conversation. So the so during the solar eclipse in Capricorn today, the sun and the moon were conjunct both Jupiter and the south node. And for the past year, Jupiter has been moving through the sign of Sagittarius. Jupiter takes 12 years to move through the zodiac. And um, so every year, he's he's in a new sign he spends the whole year in a zodiac sign um sagittarius what is his home sign every planet has a sign that they rule and for jupiter he rules over sagittarius um so during 2019 with jupiter in his home sign we have been absolutely steeped in jupiter energy like we have just been <laughs> swimming in the the overindulging abundant lucky, um, joyful, amazing Jupiter energy. And now Jupiter has moved into Capricorn. That happened on December 2nd of this year. Um, and later this year, in the summertime, the south node, so um, remember this, the north and the south nodes are the points where eclipses happen. The south node is going to be shifting into the sign of Sagittarius. And so in 2020, our eclipses are gonna be happening in the signs of Gemini and Sagittarius. And we're going to start confronting some of the shadows of Jupiter. 
Jupiter in astrology is considered a benefic. So a lot of people associate Jupiter with, with like only positive things. Um, but an overexpressed Jupiter, as Trump may show us, can be very dangerous. Um, that's one of the big lessons that I think we're learning from this American president because he was born during a lunar eclipse in Sagittarius um, in the, the south node. Um, his south node natally is in Sagittarius. And I'm actually going to be doing a long-term series on this topic, um, on the topic of the shadows of Jupiter, because I think that this is kind of a year-long process that we are um, exploring this. But let me just get the conversation started here. Um, where Jupiter can get a little bit dangerous is, or for those of you who don't know, let's actually start with the positive side of Jupiter. Um, Jupiter is a very, like, lucky, abundant planet. He is, he rules over big things. He rules over big expression and stories and um, travel and, uh, it, and, yeah, like anything, like, really big and joyful is Jupiter. Um, and the shadow of Jupiter shows up as overindulgence. So wanting more and more and more without any kind of truth or love behind it. Like just wanting to like, <laughs> like just wanting more for no reason. Um, you can want more, um, you can want more and you can have ambition and that can come from a place of real joy and love and truth. Um, but you can also find people a lot of people in this world who are just ambitious or overindulgent for no real reason. And that's that's where the shadow comes in. That's where it begins to be unhealthy for the individual and a lot of times for um, anyone affected by that individual. Um, another shadow of Jupiter, um, I should also mention Jupiter is deeply associated with knowledge and with truth. Sagittarius people, so if you're somebody who is a Sagittarius or has a lot of Sagittarius in your chart or has a strong Jupiter, you're going to be someone who's really direct and really committed to truth. Um, you can't bullshit a Sagittarius. It's just not, not possible. Um, but where truth has its shadow is in indoctrination. And the topic of indoctrination is actually something that I myself deeply explore because I actually have Jupiter natally in Sagittarius in my 12th house of spirituality. I'm a very spiritual person and um, I, I think that teaching spirituality, living spirituality can be a really amazing thing to bring into your life but I always try to be careful to avoid um, evangelizing like evangelizing myself or evangelizing others because I think that the um, ability to pursue your own spiritual truth is a, a deeply personal journey and um, as somebody who I teach about astrology and I talk about astrology, I always try to do it in a way that doesn't rob people of their unique spiritual path, um, that I'm not 
talking about astrology in a way that this is the only truth out there um, because it might not be the truth for you. Um, you might have a very different truth than I do. Um, truth is not a black and white thing. And I think that's when that's when when truth is seen as a cut and dry black and white thing, that's when indoctrination can come into play. And I explore this a lot with my own spirituality because obviously you can see how it shows up in my chart. Um, there can be indoctrination anywhere. And you can be indoctrinated on anything. Um, I think that this is a probably a whole other topic. Um, so I'm just going to like tease this um, and not really go into it. But I think that a lot of times science can be very indoctrinated. Be and Yeah, it can be a very indoctrinating thing. I think um, we live in a world where people um, only trust things that they can perceive with their own senses and I there are a lot of people particularly in the scientific community who refuse to acknowledge um, things that they can't understand um, which is how sometimes science can be a little bit um, indoctrinating and that that's a whole conversation um, so <laughs> that's gonna have to be for another time so sorry about that because <laughs> um, yeah that's definitely not the whole picture of it. Um, but yeah, those are the shadows of Jupiter. And that's kind of something that's coming up during this solar eclipse. And um, yeah, so we're, we're initiating these conversations today. And um, on December 28th, there is going to be a new Jupiter. Just like the moon, all of the visible planets um, planets that we can see with our naked eye, that is Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, they all go through phases and have a cycle just like the moon does. Um, and Jupiter's cycle lasts for an entire calendar year um, because that's how long it takes the Earth to go around the sun. So it, it's complicated. There's a, <laughs> there's a new Jupiter on December 28th. Um, and I think that we're starting those conversations on this eclipse that are going to initiate something in the middle of this lunar cycle and I actually am planning on releasing an episode of Time Personified on that day um, and we're going to go deeper into Jupiter. So look forward to that. For now, meditate on that. Um, ask yourself how that might be showing up in your own life, how those Jupiter shadows may be coming up and how you might want to release them because this is a solar eclipse on the south node and anytime there is uh, a lunation or any kind of astrological event on the south node then we are being called to deeply release to make room for a new beginning um, a brand new beginning um, so I mean we're calling it a new decade um, so I think this lunar eclipse is just an awesome opportunity to open up that open up a space, open up a void in your life and in your being so that the universe can come in with whatever it is is next for you. Um, so meditate on that. Um, another important um, astrological event that I want to touch on that is present in this chart is that the Saturn-Pluto conjunction is so close. Oh my goodness, you guys. <laughs> If you follow astrology, 
at all. <laughs> if you don't, that's fine. Again, like if you don't know anything about astrology, I'm so happy you're here. But if you do follow astrology, you probably have been hearing about the Saturn-Pluto conjunction all year. <laughs> I know that I have. And um, if you haven't, um, a conjunction is when um, the... Uh, so astrology is always from our perspective on Earth. Not because astrologers believe that the planets orbit the Earth, but because astrology is from a human perspective. So um, whenever we talk about anything astrology, we're always talking about from our perspective on Earth looking up. Um, and Saturn and Pluto are going to be conjunct on January 6th, I believe. Um, and when two planets are conjunct, that basically means that when you are standing here on our lovely little planet Earth and you look up at the sky, Saturn and Pluto are in the exact same spot in the sky from our perspective. I mean, on an astrology chart, they would be like on top of each other. Um, we can't see Pluto, obviously, so you would not actually see this conjunction, but sometimes you can see conjunctions if the planets are in a visible phase and if they're close enough to Earth that you can see them. Um, yeah, so this conjunction is a big deal because Saturn and Pluto are both slow-moving planets. Pluto takes 248 years to move around the zodiac. Um, that's a long time. And um, Saturn takes uh, about 30 years. And so that means about every 30 to 35 years, Pluto has a very irregular orbit. So like sometimes he's slow, sometimes he's fast. So it's very, this conjunction happens like every 30 to 35 years. Um, and big things usually follow this conjunction as do, like most um, like slow moving planet conjunctions are big events. And um, the, for some context, the very first Saturn Pluto conjunction of the 20th century was World War One, and the um, second one that happened in the 20th century was right after World War Two. Um, so you, it really, I mean, Pluto is the god of war. I'm not saying there's going to be a war. Let me make that very clear. I'm not saying there's going to be a war um, with this one, but um, Pluto is the god of war. So a lot of time, and Saturn is the planet that rules over our structures, our governments, our, um, it, our authority. Um, so a lot of times when Saturn and Pluto meet, there is this element of disruption because Pluto likes to disrupt things. That's just what he likes to do. Um, and it's it's like a the, the best way that I can explain it is um, I watch on the History Channel, there's this show, I think it's called Forged, um, where people make um, period weapons. So like people will make like a sword that they used to fight that the Roman army used to fight in war, battle or whatever. Um, they make swords on this show. And you make a sword by taking like a ball of lead and you put it in a really hot like um, furnace. You put it in a really hot furnace and it melts the, you, you melt the lead um, or you make it softer or, or whatever. And um, 
once it comes out of the furnace, you only have a certain amount of time to pound it into the shape that you want. And um, the process of making a sword is like sticking it in the furnace and then pulling it out and pounding it really in, as, as fast as you can to get as much shape as possible. And then you have to put it back in the furnace when it hardens again because it, it doesn't stay <laughs> soft for very long. Um, and that's kind of what this conjunction is. Pluto is the furnace that is heating us up and changing our chemistry and making us softer. And Saturn is the, the mallet that comes in and pounds us into a new shape. Um, and uh, we are also Saturn and Pluto. We are pounding ourselves into a new shape. We are the ones that are restructuring ourselves. Um, so again, like this conjunction is pushing history along, um, but we're the ones writing the story. And I think that's really important to remember, especially, especially right now. Um, and I'm amazed at how this is showing up in the news, like amazed. Um, I'm speaking specifically of impeachment. So impeachment started, the inquiry started in Libra season as the sun and Mercury and Venus, they were all in Libra and they were making squares to the Saturn-Pluto south node dance that is happening in Capricorn. And they were creating that tension um, because obviously Trump has been a huge problem for a long, long, long time. Long time as, I guess, he's been a problem for the four years that he's been a president. He's Not that he was a great guy before he was president. He was, anyway. Um, <laughs> he, he's been a problem for a long time, um, but when this um, Ukraine thing surfaced, it it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, not calling it a straw at all. It was a really serious thing that he did. But it was that it was that last thing that just kind of like everything just sort of snapped and we began the process of removing him from office. So Libra season to me was that push to get really serious about some of the Capricorn themes that are trying to resolve themselves, that are trying to restructure and reshape themselves. Um, and everything's really going to be solidified in the beginning of January. Um, and again, we're the authors of this story. And when you think of the themes of Libra, Libra is the sign of justice, social justice. And um, it's the sign of conversations in Libra season we started the conversations that were that are going to be necessary for us to take action later on um, and now at the time of me recording this podcast um, it appears there's going to be a former impeachment trial in the Senate um, or I hope I sincerely hope is a trial um, that jury's still out on that one but the trial is going to be happening during this eclipse cycle as the conjunction is going exact. So that blows my mind <laughs> because we started the conversations in Libra season. We started the process in Libra season. And now in Capricorn season, you can feel it hardening. You can feel um, the outcome the very imminent outcome um 
And there's just this urgency to do as much as possible before the door closes. Um, and you can see this in a lot of other places in the world. You may even feel this in your own life. Um, it's a really, really powerful, powerful time right now. Um, and okay, so there's actually this poem that I want to read. Yesterday was obviously Christmas and I got for Christmas because in case you, this is going to really shock you guys, are you ready for this? I'm a history nerd. I love history. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got um, for Christmas a book about Russian history. It is called, for those of you who are curious, Russia, a 1000 year chronicle of the wild east. Um, and it's by Martin Sixsmith. And I'll, if I think, if I remember, I'll link this in the show notes because I, I've really enjoyed this book so far. I, I dug into it yesterday. It begins with a poem. Um, it begins with a poem that was written by, I'm going to butcher this name because I don't speak any Russian, um, so apologies. It was written by Fedor, Ty, Fedor Tayuchev, and it was written during the Decemberist Revolt of 1825. And when I read it, like a chill went down my spine because I just felt so deeply what it's like to be um, living the moments that people are going to be reading about in history books. Um, so I just want to read it to you guys and just let the words sink in wherever in the world you are, um, whether you, whatever it is that you're experiencing, whatever it is that you um, are feeling about the world that we're living in right now, um, I think these words can do something for you. So here we go. Blessed is he who visited this world in its moments of unruly destiny, for it was he summoned by the gods to partake in their revels a witness to their mighty deeds, admitted to their inmost thoughts. He drinks immortal life from heaven's very chalice. There is a sense of um, immortality and a sense of destiny in this moment of history to me. Um, and it is both very bewildering and very horrifying um, to watch um, the world turn nowadays and to watch the events of history nowadays. Um, but it also feels in a lot of ways like an honor. Um, my belief is that we come to this world for a very specific reason and we come to the time and place that we're born in for a very specific reason. Um, and that reason may never become clear to us throughout our lifetime. Maybe a lot of us um, are here in some ways to, to really witness 
um, and to comment and to write about what's going on. Maybe some of us are here to to do big things. I mean, we're all here to do big things. But maybe maybe some of us are here to like actually like initiate action and to um, be a historical figure, you know. Um, but there really is that um, there really is that weight nowadays of um, we're in a very strong turning point in human history, politically, environmentally, um, in pretty much any way you can think of. This is a really unique time. Um, and I, I feel honored to be on this planet in the 21st century with you all right now. Um, even though sometimes you watch the news and you think, what's going on in the world? Um, but this poem is really what I hope um, I can communicate through my podcast, which is why I was so, I was just blown away that it was um, in this book that I got for Christmas. Um, because I really want people to listen to this podcast and feel um, the beauty and the, um, and how special it is to be in this moment in history and to be a part of the human story because um, I really believe it is a special thing. Um, so yeah, let's talk some more about history. Um, I want to talk about impeachment from a historical perspective um, so we can see the gravity of the moment that we find ourselves in. Um, I'm go probably going to spend a lot of this lunar cycle talking about impeachment. Um, impeachment is very, very serious. Um, Benjamin Franklin called it the democratic version of regicide. Um, I didn't know this, so you might not know this either. Regicide means to murder a king or a queen. Um, yeah, I had to look that up. <laughs> um, it's true. Um, what Ben Franklin said, I think, um, because when countries were governed by royal families, there are still countries governed by monarchies and royal families. For those countries, um, the claim is that the monarch has this divine right to rule. It's usually like God given. Um, there are some cultures, like I think in Egypt, the Pharaoh was God. Um, or was like the embodiment of God. So like there was that significance put on the monarch. Um, so to murder them was a serious act against God. And you can see um, how that plays out throughout history. Um, an example that I can think of because I, I did my degree in theater. So obviously I read a lot. I've read all of the Shakespeare plays. Um, and when Henry the Fourth dethroned Richard II, um, he then lived the rest of his life um, questioning and, and feeling very guilty about what he did, um, having taken away this person's divine right, um, having gone against the will of God. Um, so you, you, and it's hard. Um, one of the one of the biggest mistakes you can make. Um, when studying history is to put a modern perspective on historical figures. Um, so as somebody who lives in the 21st century, as somebody who lives like maybe in a country that values science um, or in a country that um, is ruled by a democracy, 
really try and feel the gravity of what it must have been like to take down a divine ruler. It was serious. And it was something that there wasn't a whole lot of certainty around, was this the right thing to do? Now, America's not a theocracy. Um, that's, that's the narrative, at least. There's obviously a lot of, a lot of criticism, that, criticism that can be made about our separation of church and state. That's not for right now. We're not a theocracy. Um, our leaders are elected by people. Um, so to impeach a president is to go against an election, basically. Um, and that's really our version of divine right. Um, a president has the right to rule a country because the people said so. And our constitution starts with we the people. So um, in America, our version of God, um, if you will go with me on this, is the word of the people. And that's why impeachment is basically comparable to regicide um, because we are going against the fundamental fabric of how our democracy works, but we're doing it because we're, it's basically an emergency, you know, um, which is why in th this event in US history has so much weight to it. This is only the third time um, in our history that we've had to do this. Um, and the first impeachment was arguably the most significant moment in the history of the United States. Um, obviously that is debatable. It is definitely a serious moment. Um, for those of you who may not be familiar, the first impeachment ever was right after the Civil War. So the Civil War was, um, these dates I'm doing this from memory, so please forgive me if I make a mistake here. 1860 to 1865 was when the Civil War was fought in the United States. And then um, after the Civil War, obviously Lincoln was still the president, and then he was assassinated. Um, and Lincoln, when, he, when a president is assassinated in the United States or when they die, the vice president then takes over Andrew Johnson was his vice president, and Andrew Johnson was a Southern Democrat. He was from a slave-owning state. The reason he was, um, the reason Lincoln made him the vice president was to repair the relationship with the Southern states um, after the war. And Andrew Johnson was very similar to Trump, honestly. He was blatantly racist. He was um, loud. He was obnoxious. He didn't have much of a filter. Um, the He showed up to his inauguration as the vice president like blackout drunk. Like the man was, he was drunk. <laughs> and, you know, so he's obviously not a very presidential figure. Um, and he's the person that takes over after Lincoln's assassination. And this was a really fragile moment in our history because we had just fought a war. We had just fought a civil war. Um, the, the North won and was attempting to reintegrate the South into the United States, which was a very delicate process. And then the, the one person that <laughs> was really 
capable of of this um, was assassinated basically Lincoln was killed um, and then this um, this you know Trump-esque character in Johnson sort of came into power um, and this was really serious and Congress was um, the at this time Congress and the Senate were were dominated by Republicans um, which the Republicans were the Northerners and the Democrats were the Southerners. The political parties were different in the 1800s. Um, and they basically were trying to find a way to impeach Johnson. And they impeached him on a technicality. They actually created a law and then impeached him on that law. Um, so it was really, it was a crazy moment. Um, and <laughs> and he was not actually removed from, removed he was not actually removed from office. Um, no president of the United States has ever been removed from office. Nixon um, resigned before he could even be impeached. And um, Bill Clinton and Andrew Johnson were both acquitted. Um, and it looks like we're going to be following that same pattern. Barring a miracle with Trump, he will likely also be acquitted. Um, but it's still... Um, it, whether whether or not the person is removed from office, it is still a very significant event. Um, and there's a lot of parallels between the America that we live in and the America back then. The partisanship and the deep division, um, that is probably one of the first similarities that comes to mind. This is one of the shadows of democracy, is that political divide. Um, and America has definitely embodied that. We have been deeply divided our entire history. We fought a civil war less than 100 years into being a country. Um, and I don't think there's ever been a time in U.S. history where there haven't been a polarity of ideals who have been sort of just at the extremes fighting each other for control. And... Um, we're going to keep experiencing events like this because history happens in cycles. This this theme of division and partisanship and us and them is going to keep cycling through again and again and again until we have managed to um, dissolve the shadow and transmute it into something um, with a little bit more light and Honestly, I don't, I, I don't think that we're going to be um, healing our shadow this time around. I think that, I think that Trump being elected as the president has forced us to face this shadow of partisanship. Oh, he's forced us to face a lot of shadows, honestly. Um, but he's forced us to face this shadow um, in a way that we have never before. Um, but this is a theme that is definitely going to continue cycling through in U.S. history and a lot of other countries like um, England is another one that comes to mind with their deeply, deeply divided politics. Um, and England is where we came from. And it's also where we got the idea of impeachment. We modeled it after um, England and their their impeachment process because you can't Back then, I don't, England was a monarchy, um, and you couldn't impeach the king, obviously, but you could impeach um, anyone else in the government. 
um, and which there was a different process for that, but impeachment was actually modeled after the UK, um, after England. And a lot of people associate Johnson's impeachment with the last great battle against slavery at this point. Um, in the context of the Western world, slavery was pretty much gone. Um, Europe got rid of slavery long before the United States did and left the slave trade. Um, one of the main reasons the U.S. had that big push to get rid of slavery was because it was hurting diplomatic relationships with um, European people who were offended by <laughs> our slavery. Um, but yeah, so Johnson's impeachment was that last great battle um, against slavery. Um, against Because even after the Civil War, there were obviously Southerners, including Johnson himself, who were very resentful of the fact that we took slavery away from them, the Northerners took slavery away from them. Um, the Civil War is really complicated, so I'm just like painting broad strokes right now. Um, Trump's impeachment, as I see it, is this major showdown against fascism. And we have this opportunity um, to um, not eradicate fascism. Um, like if maybe if we found a way to remove Trump from office through this impeachment or to um, really get him in trouble, then we would make a really big step towards um, eliminating um, the the ability of another fascist leader to come into power here. Um, but it's a major battle against that authoritarian nationalist mindset that is plaguing us. Um, and um, yeah, only history will tell where we move forward from here. At the start or at the end Is it really worth knowing the answer to It is not what we demand There's no answer written in the sand oh, We don't care about your war And we don't know your enemy Oh, what you're fighting for Cause we don't I want to talk about a couple of figures in these two historical events. Um, I want to talk about Thaddeus Stevens, who was the congressman who impeached Johnson. And I want to talk about Adam Schiff, who is the congressman who impeached Trump or who led the impeachment inquiry into Trump. A lot of people impeached Trump, a lot of people impeached Johnson, but Thaddeus and Adam, these were our spearheading leaders in this movement. Um, I have an episode coming out in a couple days where um, this is the Jupiter one that I talked about. I'm going to be reading Donald Trump's birth chart. Um, so I'm not going to be focusing on him, <laughs> on the, the figure of Trump. Um, in this episode, I wanted to focus on people who are kind of, they're going to go down in history 
kind of as footnotes. Like, they're not going to be major figures, but they were significant men. Um, and they did very significant things. They impeached leaders. <laughs> um, yeah. And they both had a lot of courage, I think. They stood up for their countries. They risked their careers. There's a lot of debate, um, especially with Thaddeus, of like whether the right thing was actually done. I, I don't think, at least in my opinion, there's not a, there's no question that Adam Schiff did the right thing by, you know, investigating what Trump did. Um, but they were both men who um, really, really cared about their country and what they did they did it for their country. You know, that was their motive. They were true, true, true statesmen. Um, so let's talk about Thaddeus Stevens. And we're going to, I'm going to be um, reading their birth charts. So Thaddeus Stevens was a champion for civil rights and equality between the races. He was really, really ahead of his time um, because with the hindsight of history, we know that the civil rights movement happened over a hundred years after slaves were freed in the United States. Um, but this was a man who, um, honestly, he, he really believed that um, black and white people should be living in complete equality, um, which it's cool to see people like that um, in such a, a shameful time in our history. Um, he made sure that this is one of my one of my favorite facts about Thaddeus Stevens is that when he died, he uh, or he did this before he died, obviously, but he made sure that when he died, he would be buried in a cemetery that interred or that had both black and white people buried there. Um, so that in his words, he could say, he, he said he could embody in death what he believed during his lifetime. So he was a man of of true integrity. Um, he was deeply, deeply offended by Andrew Johnson um, and his hateful attitude towards black people. Andrew Johnson was openly hateful towards black people, openly like supportive of slavery and um, other horrible things being done to black people. Like after slavery ended, a lot of, um, a lot of like former slaves were shipped back to Africa um, or put like, it, yeah, and obviously like killed and a lot of bad things happened to them, which is really sad. Um, and he was really offended by Andrew Johnson and he saw how Andrew Johnson's um, actions and attitude were really just like um, preventing our nation from being able to heal after the Civil War and from being able to move forward. And we're just so against the dignity of um, people who have been enslaved by us for a hundred years. Um, and he was the one who, um, led, he, he led the impeachment, um, into Andrew Johnson. And in case you don't know how impeachment works here in the U.S., the Congress has the power to impeach, whereas the Senate has the power to try the impeachment. So Congress will lead the investigation or do anything that is necessary in the preliminary phase and will write the articles of impeachment, will write like um, the document that spells out exactly what the president is being accused of, which it doesn't necessarily have to be a crime. Um, it can be an abuse of their office. It can be like just being really, really bad and 
like to a point where it's like harmful bad at their job um it doesn't have to be an actual law it can it's just like a this is the reason we want to impeach the president and then that goes to the senate and the senate gets to make the final decision of whether or not this person will be removed from office so he's the person who did the impeachment part he did the accusation part um same with adam schiff um thaddeus stevens and adam schiff are like parallels they had the same role (laughs) in their respective impeachments um so yeah that's thaddeus stevens um let us look at his birth chart um, I do not know his rising sign, unfortunately, because I do not know his birth time. So if you don't know the birth time, you can't, you can't do the rising sign. The, the core of an astrology chart is a sun, moon, and a rising sign. Um, obviously like the sun sign is the one that like you see in your magazines and horoscopes and stuff. The moon sign is where the moon was when you were born. Um, a lot of people might know their moon sign. And then the rising sign is the sign that was on the eastern horizon at the time of your birth. And that changes the the um, constellations on the eastern horizon changes like every hour or every even less than that. So um, that's why the time of your birth and the location is so significant. Neither of which I have for Thaddeus Stevens. So <laughs> I know that he was an Aries sun and a Virgo moon. So he was a passionate, <laughs> a passionate and fiery man. Um, and I've read a lot of charts of civil rights activists during my practice, practicing, during my time practicing astrology, because I love reading the charts of historical figures. And something that I'm starting to notice is that there is a correlation between having a strong Virgo in your chart and then having this devotion to equality, um, whether it's gender equality, racial equality, economic, or anything else. So we may continue to see this as we continue in the podcast, um, more examples of this. One that comes to mind is Bernie Sanders, who is a Virgo. He also has his Neptune and his North Node in Virgo, who is, um, I would say, first and foremost, deeply committed to economic equality, but also many other forms of equality. He was arrested when he was um, like in his 20s or in college or something for protesting um, racist housing laws. He He's somebody that has always really cared about equality. And he has a lot of Virgo in his chart. Um, and there's a lot of other examples that we'll, um, we'll discuss later on. But I think that's really interesting. That might be a cool thing to explore when we get into a Virgo season. Um, or even I'm thinking about doing a series where I read the astrology charts of all of the 2020 presidential candidates. I might wait. <laughs> I might wait until there are less of them so that I don't have to do as many. But yeah, that's... It's, it's just interesting. So he's got his Virgo moon um, and his Aries sun. He also has his Mars in Virgo and his Mars is conjunct his moon. So you remember what a conjunction is. It's when the moon and Mars were in the same spot in the sky. So he is a meticulous, detailed worker and he follows his heart uh, with Mars being conjunct his moon. The moon is your heart, your inner world. Um, so with Mars being so close to his moon, his actions line up with his heart. And he fought for racial equality because he was driven by a vision for his country that was loving and safe for everyone. Um, the moon is um, also how we feel safe and how we love. So you can really see 
the love coming through his actions. Um, and I don't know whether or not he was, whether people would describe him as meticulous and detail oriented, but looking at his chart, I can make that assumption, um, or I will make that assumption that he was somebody who was a hardworking, devoted person who paid a lot of attention to the details. Um, <clears throat> his soul came to this planet to be a warrior for social justice. Um, and I know that because he has his north node in Libra. Um, and so we all have a north and south node in our chart. And the north node is what over the course of our lifetime, what we are moving towards or what we're moving the collective towards. Um, and the south node is what we are moving away from or what we're purging for the collective. So his south node was in Aries um, and his um, north node was in Libra. And so he was helping us let go of literally war because Aries is war. Um, he was helping us let go of war and fighting and deep individualism and move towards something a little more um, balanced and something a little more truthful and just for ourselves. He also has Jupiter and Neptune conjunct in Libra and both of them are retrograde. This is a really interesting um, aspect because Jupiter and Neptune are both slow moving planets. So that means this is a rare conjunction um, that he has in his birth chart. And this feels like um, some kind of, um, it feels like a confusing energy <laughs> because they're both retrograde and Neptune is often associated with an element of confusion or an element of like dissolving or um, like the lines blurring, um, the lines of reality sort of blurring, which I think it's kind of interesting to explore with um, the way that Johnson was impeached because we'll see that um, Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi, they were very careful with um, this the way that they approached the impeachment process and being very legitimate and very clear on how they did it. Um, and there was a lot of discussion during Trump's impeachment of like, were the articles going to outline all of his crimes? Because there are many of many of those. Um, but they decided to pick something very focused. They decided to focus on Ukraine. Whereas um, with Johnson, a law was created <laughs> in order to impeach him. So there's this element of like um, being a little bit over eager. Um, and also like, you know, he lived in a time in US history where he didn't have any other examples of impeachment to go off of. So we do have to give him that credit. Um, but yeah, there's like this element of overdoing confusion um, too much. <laughs> um, he has Chiron in Cancer. Chiron is, will spend, uh, Chiron will get his own podcast episode at some point in this podcast. Um, for, for now, if you don't know, Chiron is the wounded healer. Um, so your Chiron in your chart is where you are a teacher, where you're a healer, maybe where your experiences can inform, um, how you are able to show up in the world as a healing agent or a warrior um, to be something uh, or fight for something or do something bigger than yourself. Um, with his Chiron and Cancer, 
he's healing for the collective, for his country, what it means to be safe and at home, um, which for, for America, people that um, lived in America after the Civil War, there was need to heal that, um, to heal that sense of home and to heal that sense of safety after um, having to experience um, a war in your backyard and having to lose, um, I don't remember the exact number, but um, millions of people died in the Civil War. Um, it, it took an entire generation of Americans, um, just like most wars, if they get bad enough, will take an entire generation of, of young men and women. Um, so there was need for that healing. And I think that his actions and his impeachment of Johnson and, and everything that he did in the Senate, which he did a lot of uh, other things in the Senate too, but obviously he goes down in history as the person who impeached a president. Um, he, what he did was um, with the motive to heal the collective, um, to heal the collective sense of being at home. His Saturn is conjunct his son, and um, his son and Saturn are then opposite that Neptune and Jupiter conjunction that I was talking about. So he is building a new foundation of individual freedom for the collective. He's someone who works for what he believes in with his son being conjunct Saturn. Um, and also with his moon, and, like I said, the moon and, and, and Mars being conjunct. He's somebody who his outward actions are very reflective of what's in his heart and what's in his soul. Um, and he's somebody being an Aries that will keep moving forward, whether or not anyone else is going to follow him, um, which really speaks to him being ahead of his time and being somebody who was very vocal about racial equality in a time where racial equality was definitely not part of the conversation. Um, so we have Thaddeus and many other Aries people to thank during this time and during many times for having the courage to be ahead of their time. I think that's a really amazing characteristic of Aries is um, not really worrying what other people are going to think, just worrying about what's in your heart. Um, and there's obviously shadows to that, but um, it can also be a really beautiful thing if you're able to embody it in a good way. Um, he has Pluto and Aquarius, which I found very interesting. He's breaking down and rebuilding the collective idea of freedom. Um, we are going to have a Pluto and Aquarius generation coming to our planet in the 2020s. Um, in 2024, I believe, Pluto will move to Aquarius, and then we will have a generation of, of youngsters who are going to be born with Pluto and Aquarius, and they're going to have this mission of rebuilding what is freedom, what is authenticity, really redefining that, and they're going to have to wrestle with that. Um, with them, it's probably going to be a lot around technology, because Aquarius rules over technology, and, um, you know, ideas of privacy and of um, big tech companies owning, like, basically our our method of communication um, with Thaddeus and with other people of his generation. It was about um, this, these democratic nations that arose during the enlightenment and are now um, sort of wrestling with um, what is this balance of how are we able to be free um, and how are we going to 
um, make sure that everybody is equal and find that balance between power and rulership and um, individual freedom. So, yeah. Um, maybe this Pluto and Aquarius generation in the 2020s will pick up the legacy of Thaddeus Stevens um, and continue the cycles that he began um, by being really ahead of their time because that's another um, Aquarius and Aries one of the things that they have in common is um, that forward motion and in thinking um, beyond the the time and place and moving forward um, without needing people to follow them or be with them um, and also that devotion to equality is a is a huge Aquarius theme because authenticity and equality one can't really exist without the other so yeah that's Thaddeus Stevens he has a amazing chart um, amazing legacy thank you for um, being a part of our history Thaddeus and um, let's let's move on to our um, our modern day Thaddeus Mr. Adam Schiff um, I, um, you guys are going to think I'm crazy. I watched every minute of the impeachment hearings and yes, in moments, there were moments where it was like a true circus, like where there were particularly members of the Republican party who were just being, they were so embarrassing. Their actions were so embarrassing and so childish and, um, but then also people like Adam Schiff and like the people who came to testify really got their moment uh, of being center stage and they really got to demonstrate their devotion to not only the United States, but to the world, um, to the ideas of democracy around the world. And I have so much admiration for what Adam Schiff did and the way he conducted those hearings and um, how devoted and strong he was in his mission to find out the truth, as much of the truth as he could manage um, without being able to call certain witnesses in because they were being blocked. And um, he fought hard for us. And I, I definitely appreciate that. And um, I would like to read his birth chart because I find his birth chart to be so amazingly um, alchemically aligned with the the current astrology. So let's get into what I mean by that. First of all, I just want to point this out. His Uranus is in Leo, and that is also where Thaddeus Stevens's Uranus is. His Uranus, Adam Schiff's Uranus, is in the same exact degree <laughs> as Thaddeus Stevens's. Uranus, which is, it's actually, it's like two degrees away. Um, but that is really cool. Um, Uranus is the rebel and the disruptor. Um, Uranus is the, he's um, Prometheus stealing fire from the gods to give to the humans. He's um, Gandhi and Martin Luther King fighting and breaking down the old structures for the sake of equality. Um, so, in, in a way, it sort of feels like Adam Schiff is picking up the torch from Thaddeus Stevens um, for in the fight of holding rulers accountable to their actions. 
um, Uranus being in Leo. Leo is the king of the zodiac. Leo is um, the ego, the um, the person at the center of attention, the person in the spotlight. And um, Uranus being in Leo, uh, Adam Schiff and Thaddeus Stevens are the figure standing behind the the king or queen or the president and making sure that their actions are actually in line with the people and the interest of the people. So that's the first really cool thing that I see in his chart because it aligns with um, Thaddeus Stevens. And um, the other thing in Adam Schiff's chart that is very significant to me actually surprised me a little bit, but then it made so much sense. He is a double cancer. So that means that his sun sign and his rising sign are both cancer. Um, that means that he was born in the morning as the sun was coming up over the eastern horizon and the Cancer constellation was also coming up, up over the eastern horizon. So he is a nurturing and compassionate person. But not only that, Cancer is often stereotyped as being like soft and sweet and motherly and nurturing, um, but it's the zodiac sign associated with motherhood. Um, cancers and, and mothers can have a really tough protective side. Um, cancer is, you know, the mothering energy, the maternal mothering energy that nurtures you and feeds you and, and loves you and gives you a home. But cancer is also the mother who can lift a car to save her child. <laughs> um, cancer in Greek means crab, um, which this is kind of why the, the disease is obviously called cancer. Um, and it's because if you look at cancer, like somebody who has cancer, if you look at like a scan of their body, it looks like crab legs. Um, which is why the disease has been named cancer. Um, and the constellation was named cancer because um, it looks like a crab in the sky. Um, cancer is the Greek word for crab. And crabs have very powerful pinchers. Um, I don't know if you've ever been pinched by a crab before, but I do not recommend it. It hurts like hell. And when they lock onto something, they are not going to let go anytime soon. <laughs> so... There is that like prickly side to a cancer that maybe isn't obvious because they um, are out outwardly maybe very compassionate and kind, um, but don't mess with them. Don't mess with the cancer. And Adam Schiff during the impeachment hearings was like an angry mama bear. I, that's probably a really weird thing to say, um, <laughs> but you could see um, how um, determined he was to defend his country from the threat that is Donald Trump. He is our angry mama bear. Um, and I just want to play the very last speech that he gave um, after all of the impeachment hearings. He, he got to make a closing statement after every hearing, but um, the very last speech just sent chills down my spine and I, um, would like you to listen to it and just see if you can feel that um, cancerian protective energy, that um, really tough side of cancer that people don't often get to see. And I'm not going to play the whole thing because the whole thing is 20 minutes. I'm just going to play the very end of it, but I'll link the whole speech in the show notes. The help in the campaign. They made full use of it. They lied about it. They obstructed 
the investigation into it, and all this is in his testimony and his report. The day after that, Donald Trump is back on the phone asking another nation to involve itself in another U.S. election. That says to me this president believes he is above the law, beyond accountability. And in my view, there is nothing more dangerous than an unethical president who believes they are above the law. And I would just say to people watching here at home and around the world, in the words of my great colleague, we are better than that. Adjourned. Wow. It like... I'm such a nerd. It almost brings me to tears, honestly, um, because the hearings were really tough to watch. They were really tough to watch. Honestly, like the United States has been like a, a car wreck lately. Um, you, It's hard to even look at what's happening and to see somebody who is um, so passionate and so... Um, to see somebody like Adam Schiff, who is so capable and so devoted to protecting um, American values, it it's it's just something that I feel like it's almost a sight for sore eyes. Um, but you can really hear the protectiveness in his voice. You can really, um, and you can even the last words that he says are in the words of my great colleague: "We are better than that." Um, by his great colleague, he was referring to a congressman named Elijah Cummings who passed on. Um, he passed away in the middle of the impeachment inquiry um, just a few months ago. Uh, I don't remember exactly when, but you can kind of feel the water sign. Um, you can sort of feel cancer as a water sign being connected to death and being connected to um the people who have passed on to to other realms or whatever happens after this lifetime um, and to the legacy of the American heritage. Um, you really see that with Adam Schiff. He's just, uh, I so much admiration for him. And this has been one of the most significant years of his life, I would say. Um, it's been a significant year for America, but also personally for Adam Schiff, um, he is experiencing his, he experienced his second Saturn return um, and his fourth Jupiter return last year. Um, so let me explain what that means. Um, you have a Saturn placement and a Jupiter replacement, uh, Jupiter placement in your chart. And when Jupiter or Saturn come back to that point, that's considered like your return. So like you have your Saturn return. The first one is when you're like in your late 20s to early 30s. Your first Jupiter return is when you're 12. Your second one is when you're 24. Um, and these are like moments in a human life. We'll, we'll get deeper into this at another time. Um, it is not common to have a Saturn return and a Jupiter return in the same year. But Adam Schiff was born with his Jupiter in retrograde and like ingressing back into Sagittarius. So it was a year when Jupiter was in Capricorn, but he was born when it like touched back into Sagittarius. So he gets to have Saturn and Jupiter return 
both in one year, which is <laughs> a lot. Um, and he will truly be remembered long after today for his actions this year um, when he led this impeachment inquiry. He is a man who, um, he was tested by history this year, his ideology um, Jupiter themes, his moral grounds, Saturn themes, they were tested this year. Um, he resisted opening this impeachment inquiry for a very long time until it became clear that there was no other option. Um, and I would say if I get to be the judge of Adam Schiff that he stepped up and he performed his duty and he will, um, he will pass the test of history. He will go down in history as somebody who did what they were supposed to do, um, more so above and beyond that. He is an incredible speaker and storyteller. This comes with his Jupiter and Sagittarius. Um, I played one of the clips from his hearing. Um, if you, if, like there's many more um, that demonstrate just how well he communicates to the typical person, to the regular American, what actually happened and why it's important. He's really good at providing context, um, which I think was a really important thing um, because honestly, like this impeachment is really just about what it's going to do to Trump publicly. It's not, it's really not going to um, remove him from office. So public opinion is really the, the goal here, um, shifting public opinion on him. Um, this is why the hearings went so well, because he brought that truth and he brought that narrative um, that narrative skill with him and he put it into terms that helped us actually see what happened and why we should all care. That's his Jupiter and Sagittarius. His Pluto and North Node are in Virgo, so we're bringing the collective towards alignment, restoring health to the collective. He's restoring health to our democracy. He's trying to um, rid us of the disease in our democracy that's his north node in virgo and again like we see the theme of social justice warriors he's a he's a congressman who fights for equality and a lot of what he does outside of impeaching presidents and you can see in his um virgo planets that he keeps up that theme of virgo and social justice and he's part of the pluto and virgo generation so um I, I don't know the exact ages or years, actually. So I think it's Generation X. Um, they all have Pluto and Virgo. So like they all have that theme of like restructuring. What does it actually mean to be in alignment? What does it actually mean to be healthy um, and whole? His Mars is in Taurus. And you can definitely see this during the impeachment hearings. He is a persistent bull of a person sometimes. Um, I, I had a lot of admiration for the moments where the hearings would get really out of hand, where the Republican members were um, rebelling against it and like throwing a bunch of like, you know, trying to out the whistleblower, throwing in a bunch of like evidence that wasn't relevant. And he was like a pillar of stoicism <laughs> through the whole thing. Like his expression wouldn't change. He would be, um, Nunez would be sitting right next to him, like, you know, throwing up a bunch of like insane like um right-wing fever dream conspiracy theories and his face would just be like stone and he would just be facing forward and not <laughs> reacting in any way and i think that was um it was really important 
for him to be not showing any strong reaction to the other side and, and focusing on his lane. Um, and that's his Mars and Taurus. He's got that focus and that persistence that really allowed him to carry out his duty there. Um, so with that, I want to thank you, Adam Schiff. I'm probably not listening to this, but still energetically, I want to send gratitude to Adam Schiff for standing on the right side of history. Um, I, I, looking at his astrology chart, he was, he was built, he was born for, for this. <laughs> he came onto this planet. Um, I mean, we come onto this planet for many reasons, but this was definitely one of the things he came here to do. And I will never forget it. I will never forget what it was like to witness the hearings and I will never ever, um, it'll, it'll just be, um, something that I will always remember being a witness to. And I have so much gratitude for Adam Schiff and all of the other really brave Congress people who, who were able to take that process seriously and who were able to do everything that they could um, to defend our democracy. And I, I hope that we can um, keep our republic. <laughs> um, I forget who it was exactly. Um, one of the founding fathers of the United States said, we have a republic if we can keep it. And um, I really hope that we can keep it. And if we do, it will be thanks to Adam Schiff and it'll be thanks to a lot of other people, but Adam Schiff will definitely be one of them. So in conclusion, we're at the end of this episode. So woo, awesome. We've, we've gotten through uh, our first episode. That's awesome. Um, no matter where you're from, um, if you live in, a, in the United States or in another um, democratic nation, if you have the ability to go to a ballot box, um, now is the time to be become active in, in that and to be active in exercising your right to vote um, for the people who will represent you, who will lead you. Um, people have fought for hundreds of years for us to have it, have this right to vote. Um, and the fight is never going to end. We're, we are going to be fighting to keep democracy in the world um, until we live in a very different world, <laughs> you know, until we are managed to create a very different world. And we can never, ever take our democracies for granted. And I think that's really the message that I, I hope all of you can look around and see in, um, the history that's playing out today and there's stories all over the world like i said of people fighting for political freedom fighting against fascism um this episode is already almost two hours and it would take me like probably like five more hours to tell all those stories so again i decided to focus on my own country um i decided to focus on the united states because that's just where my my heart and mind is right now and I know that people in the spiritual community don't often talk about politics, so I hope that me sitting down and spending two hours talking about politics um, was uh, good. I hope you liked it, because um, I believe that an interest in politics is really just an interest in quality of life. I believe that um, democracy is, is deeply imperfect, um, but it's the best model that we have to govern our country, and democracy really depends on the people being informed on the people having opinions and, and having exercising the voice that they have um, to, to advocate for the type of reality that they want to live in. So now is that time. Like I said, we are in, we're in the fire. 
we are being forged. We're being, we're being forged and molded and we are the artisans and we get to decide the world that we are going to build in the 2020s and beyond. So look around yourself, see history unfolding around you and get into that conversation because you are here on this planet to have a voice in some way. Um, yeah. And with that, I, I will be back in a couple of days with my special Jupiter episode. And, um, so I guess I won't wish you a happy new year just yet, <laughs> but I hope you have a really lovely day and I hope that this eclipse energy is empowering to you. And, um, I'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning into this first episode of Time Personified. Bye everyone!